You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. How is everyone this wonderful Wednesday? You have reached the national NFL flagship for the Locked On Podcast Network that brings you your team every day. How about this? We are the number one local sports daily podcast in the entire world. Uh, The network is growing at a very fast pace. I urge you, even if you're not fans of the teams, to check out Chiefs, Patriots, Locked On Rams, Locked On Saints this week and really get um, great, acute information for these upcoming games. But as we do every Wednesday, Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus is with us. Mike, what's up, man? Not much. Just looking forward to this weekend's games here. Yeah, absolutely. And your most recent article on Pro Football Focus, we'll get to the, some of the upcoming games here a little, in a little bit, it is the biggest off-season question for every team. And I'm not going through all 32. I mean, let, let's just leave it at that. But I do want to talk about each of the eight eliminated teams, what they should be you know, what, what's their biggest question? What should they be focusing on? And let's start with the Chargers. And your question to them is, is Dan Feeney going to improve? Yeah, I think that's been the question for about a decade now, it seems like. Because not just Dan Feeney, but the offensive line in general. Because, yeah, that's where I was going to go with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because they went and addressed it. They tried to two years ago in the draft, getting Dan Feeney in the third round, getting Forrest Lamp in the second round. And Feeney was a bottom three guard in the NFL this year, and Lamp has played 17 snaps his entire career. So that didn't work. But is it too early to give up on those players and say, hey, we need to go draft offensive line again is going to be what they need to address this offseason? Yeah, I and mean, if you look at the, even the, the guys you can count on, quote, count on, Okun, the left tackle, he's not young. You know, Pouncey's mm-hmm. not young and has had a long history of injuries. I mean, both guards to me, right tackle, I really think the Chargers need to find two offensive line starters. I mean, they can't just sit back and hope these guys develop. Yeah, I mean, if you watch that Patriots game, basically every single player they draft, this upcoming draft, should be along the line of scrimmage, either offensive or defensive line. They just need help on the interior defensive line and interior offensive line because that's where they lost that game. Yeah, yeah. I do think another defensive tackle would go a long way, too, like you said. Um, the Ravens were also recently eliminated. And your question for them is, do they go all in on a Lamar Jackson offense? And before you answer, I'm not sure they have any other choice. I mean, that's kind of what, but what does that mean, I guess, is the better question. Yeah, that's more, do they go all in on making his legs the focal point of the offense? Because, I mean, as we saw, it was a run first. It was a quarterback option, quarterback threat, uh, a sort of rushing offense to the degree that we've never really seen at the NFL level. He was running more than any other quarterback, you know, in NFL history, basically. Mm-hmm. And we just never seen that. We've never seen any team do that for an entire season. Now, they had to do it at the end of the year because that was their only sort of uh, recourse or that was their only option to make the playoffs. They had to use Lamar Jackson in that sort of way. But is that going to work over 16 games? Is he going to stay healthy? He is, obviously. That's, that was the biggest question mark for him coming out. So do you say, hey, yes, we, like, we have to use him in that manner, or do they say we're going to try to make him a pocket passer, use him sparingly as a rushing threat? Yeah, well, I think what's interesting is I think we both probably agree that at some point, if he doesn't throw well from the pocket, he's not going to be an NFL quarterback, and he has to improve in that area. And 
I mean, he's nowhere to go but up, I mean, frankly. But I think what's interesting is how do you assemble your offensive personnel? Like, they have a bunch of tight ends that are young, so I think that's good. But if I'm a free agent wide receiver, this is the last team I'm going to. They don't throw the ball down the field, and I'm never going to catch any passes. They, I think that they showed in their last performance they probably need another offensive lineman. Their running backs are just kind of guys. Like, their personnel isn't wonderful, and I'm not sure the best way to fix it, considering how unique their quarterback is. Yeah, I think that's sort of the other thing, is that's going to affect your personnel decisions, whether you say, oh, we're going to go run heavy, then, hey, yeah, you invest in a running back, maybe. Maybe you invest mm-hmm. in a Le'Veon Bell, maybe. and then you invest in more offensive linemen and say, yeah, we don't really need to spend a first-round pick on a wide receiver. That's not going to give us that much value. So I think it's sort of a top-down decision. It's going to impact the entire organization. Uh, whether they decide to do that or not. Yeah, it's not going to be easy. Um, Houston, I think there's a pretty obvious question, is how do we protect Deshaun Watson? And this offensive line, you and I have talked about it many, many times, is a disaster. And kind of like the Chargers, that has to be priority one, priority two. I don't love their cornerback situation, though, either. No, they're very old at corner as well. Kareem Jackson, Jonathan Joseph, their two best players, are both in their early to mid-30s, even in Joseph's case. So uh, they need to address secondary, but I do think off the line is going to be their first pick, maybe their second pick in this draft. They just they have to improve there because and it's the funny thing is you look at every other you know young quarterback who's having success early in his career, they all have fairly good to great offensive lines in front of them. Deshaun Watts is pretty much the only one who's doing it behind a shoddy offensive line right now. Uh, to think what he could do behind you know what Carson Wentz has in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. uh, which Jared Goff has in L.A. would be, sort of scary to think about, so they do need to, in my opinion, that's the first thing that they need to address. Yeah, and some of it's excusable. If you if you trade all these resources to go get Watson, well, then it's hard to fill your other needs over the last mm-hmm. offseason or two. So, I mean, that's kind of the price you pay for a guy like Watson. But do you agree with me, too, that he's never going to be a low-sack number guy, though? Yeah, some of it's on him. I mean, yeah. a lot of the sacks are on him, but they also had to... I mean, they had to change up that offense to protect the tackles more than I saw any offense, you know, sort of with chips and that sort of thing uh, do all season long. No, you're 100% right. A team that obviously took the offseason by storm with with their O-line is in the division Indianapolis Colts. And they're a little different than these last three teams we talked about from eliminated AFC teams in that they kind of have a good problem to have is where do they spend all this cash? I mean, for those who don't know, they're like right at the top with the amount of cap space to spend. This could be a very formidable team for the next couple of years. Yeah, for them to have a top, I think it was ended up season top 10 defense with uh, a starting defense that had a lower cap hit than Kirk Cousins this season was pretty absurd. And, you know, the results <laughs> yeah. they got with the, you know, the, with the amount of investment they made on that side of the ball was incredible. And now you have the ability to, say Demarcus Lawrence does say for agency, you sign a guy like that, you'll sign one to two to maybe even three blue chip type of talents with how much cap space they have. All of a sudden that defense could be a top five defense next year to go along with Andrew Luck. Now there's not much offensive talent for agency, but uh, it's just, it will be interesting to see just where they all allocate that cap space, especially since Chris Ballard's already said, he's not going to change up his approach. He's not going to, you know, all of a sudden just spend everything just because they have the space, uh, you know, willy nilly. So, it will be interesting to see what they end up doing with them. I mean, here's are some of the names, I guess, that will be very sought after or franchised. Demarcus Lawrence, Jadavian Clowney, D. Ford, uh, Frank Clark. 
Who's a couple Earl other Thomas. Dudes? Earl I mean, Thomas, Landon like Collins, Landon Collins, yeah. Trey Flowers. I mean, I got to think maybe half of those guys get franchised. Even Grady Jarrett. I mean, I would think that's those are the names you, I think you, you're thinking about if you're the Colts. Yeah, I, I would think if I had that much cap space, you go out and you sign an impact pass rusher because this is the free agent class to do it. One of those guys will be hitting free agency uh, most likely, and you go and you maybe overspend a little bit because you got that mm-hmm. sort of cap space, but you're close enough to where overspending – uh, you know, the results you get, the return on that can be worth it. You don't think they're a Le'Veon Bell match, though, do you? I don't think so. I, I think Ballard's good enough GM to know that that's not where your biggest returns are going to mm-hmm. be, is by dipping that much money into a running back. But uh, they do have an – I'm not sure like, – I think we talked about this a few weeks ago on the pod. I, there was no one team that I'd say is a perfect match that i say that's where he's going. So – they have as much money as any to throw at them. I'm not the biggest Marlon Mack fan, but I do think those three guys proved to be good enough. Yeah, I think, and with the offensive line in front of him, you want a, you almost want a home run threat there at running back. You want a little mm-hmm. more speed back there with how much big some of those holes are that they're giving them. So uh, I wouldn't, you know, risk the money on a a slower sort of grinded out back like Le'Veon Bell. No, you're 100 percent right. And again, I think we agree it's going to be a lot of spending on defense. But a wide receiver that's a true starter with size could either come in the first round, you know, a guy like Harry or Metcalf, or maybe Terrell Williams or somebody like that in free agency. Yeah, they they could definitely use a number two outside of T.Y. Hill, and that is a need for them. And I think where they're drafting is where wide receiver value will be in this mm-hmm. draft. There will be a handful of guys worthwhile picking there. Yeah, well said. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, do this exact same thing with the eliminated NFC teams. So give us a second here, and then we will dig right into that. All right, Cowboys. Interesting team, too. I mean, have built this defense through, you know, draft and homegrown defense. And your question for them is, is run first a viable strategy in 2019 and one thing I think needs to be noted is, are they getting their potentially Hall of Fame center back or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a huge thing because run first is viable if you have the best, you know, the, one of the best, probably the best offensive line we've seen in the past decade, which is what they had back in Dak's rookie year. Yeah, yeah Dak's right. rookie year. So if you have that in front of them, yes, that's viable. You're going to be rocking up, you know, 5.5 per carry, and that's great, but it's not the case right now. Those guys, that offensive line has come and gone. If Travis Frederick is back, is he even going to be at his full strength? Because, you know, he's not an inconsequential sort of autoimmune disease that he had there. It's going to take something from you. So uh, it, that's probably the biggest question. And uh, I, I wanted to be kind there and not actually question uh, whether this coaching staff was the one to execute it. Yeah, that's a very good point. I mean, at least they have Amari Cooper, but they don't have a first-round pick. And... Mm-hmm. I think they could really use a tight end. I mean, obviously they used, utilized Witten a great deal over the last couple of years, and Dak, that made his life a little easier. I've also heard a little rumblings, you know I'm in Pittsburgh, that Jerry has a little twinkle for Antonio Brown. <sighs> he, I don't know if he even has the space, though, to go get yeah, him. Yeah, right. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up throwing a farm at them as well, because, uh, yeah, I, I mean... He seems to love those uh, those kind of wide receivers also. It's his kind of move. Yeah. The Eagles. I mean, anyone that thinks that there's a quarterback controversy or is this going to be Wentz's team, we're not even going down that road. 
My listeners are smarter than that. But yeah. here's a great question, and fortunately, they do get some guys healthier, but do we trust their young secondary? And, and Ronald Darby's going to be a free agent. He's one of their better corners. Yeah, that's the thing. So you invested three picks within the first four rounds of the last two drafts. So Razul Douglas, Sidney Jones, Avante Maddox uh, at the cornerback position. Do you trust those guys enough to develop into 2019 to where you don't have to you – know, where, one, you don't resign Darby – Two, you don't end up using another draft pick or signing one in free agency. It's almost the sort of the question that the Packers had when they took, you know, cornerbacks in the first, second round back in 2014 and ended up coming back to bite them because those guys ended up being terrible. But we haven't seen enough from any of those young cornerbacks of the Eagles, in my opinion, to say we don't need to address this position. I think it's the most valuable position in the, uh, you know, outside of quarterback in the NFL. I think they have to do something at corner, whether it's re-sign Darby or draft one early to, uh, address it because I don't trust those guys in the back end. Yeah, right. I mean, we saw what happened. It basically derailed their entire season. And just to sit on your hands and say, oh, we, these young guys are going to develop, I think they're mm-hmm. too good a team to take that approach. And I also think we saw it in New Orleans in that, boy, it'd be nice to have a power running game too. I mean, they don't, I mean, it was Sproles and Smallwood. I mean, at some point they need to. Put, put it in a Jay Ajayi type guy, and I'm not saying that's to be their first round pick, but take some some heat off the off the passing game of the quarterbacks. Yeah, as much as you can, you can find running backs later, and you know the value of running backs is less when you have a bad running back. It does matter. Like there are bad mm-hmm. running backs in the NFL, and that's all they had there in Philadelphia. They did not have uh, after Jay Ajayi went down. They just did not have a quality option there. So. I don't think they, like you said, you don't have to go invest a first round pick in it, but I do think you take a few shots, whether it's free agency or in the drafts in the mid rounds at a running back because they need an upgrade there. Yeah. I mean, a, a heavier guy, not a Darren Sproles type mm-hmm. of dude, obviously. Seattle's interesting too, because I, I looked at them as a rebuild and they made the playoffs and they exceeded my expectations. And I do think they're well coached, but they got to, I mean, they run the ball too much, but anyway, your question is who to franchise, and there's three well-known names on this defense. Frank Clark, who we talked about earlier, to, who to me is the most is the biggest commodity of the group. KJ Wright is up, and I don't mm-hmm. know that he's done. But how do you invest in him? Are you really rebuilding? And then Earl Thomas, last we saw, he was flipping off the <laughs> flipping everybody yeah. off, getting carted away. But he's a free agent too, and you can't let all three walk. Yeah, I think they have to franchise one of those. The thing is, is Frank Clark, I think, so, so Earl Thomas, quite obviously worth, you know, the franchise tag. That's probably a steal for his value. But I mm-hmm. think the question mark is going to be is, is Frank Clark going to be worth the franchise tag? Because the franchise tag, I believe, for his position this year is going to be in the, you know, almost $20 million in the high teens, if not, which means I'm not sure that's what he's getting on the open market uh, this year. But, uh so that is going to be a conundrum because I don't think you can let you can't let both of them walk, obviously. Right. Uh, and you can't. And the Earl Thomas franchise thing, will he even play? You might have to franchise then trade uh, if you do. So that one's going to be holding both of them would be, you know, in my opinion, the best route. But I'm not sure you can. I mean, I think ideally is you lock up Clark before he hits free agency. Mm-hmm. But if I'm his agent, I'm not real excited about that idea. No, it's not a great. It's not going to be a great market for edge rushers because there's so many of them that are available. But at the same time, it's going to. I think with the cap going sky high, there's going to be a pretty booming. The guys are going to get some pretty ridiculous deals out there. Yeah, there's a lot of teams out there willing to spend. What do you think about KJ Wright, though? I know he's not a franchise candidate. Kind of threw him in here, 
But as well as Wagner's playing, those two have been a fixture. I would think a lot of teams could use them, contenders, but do you want to let him walk? I think he's kind of a difficult decision. Well, I think without him, so their backups were terrible outside uh, of him but when he was injured. But So I do think they need to address it somehow. I'm not sure he's, he's obviously not the long-term answer, and his best days are certainly behind him. But mm-hmm. I do think you need someone else there at linebacker because who else they were throwing out there was just not great this year. No, right. And that style of defense, two linebackers play basically every mm-hmm. snap, and it should be right, and, of course, Wagner. Um, this team, the Bears – I don't know what I would say is their biggest need. Maybe one more offensive lineman. You know, I mean, your your question for about the Bears is how to get over the hump, which is kind of a, a general one, and I don't know that any of us have that answer or if mm-hmm. anyone in the organization has that answer, but they're really in a good spot, I think, is the bottom line. You just had to write a question for this team, right? Exactly. That's the thing. <laughs> right. like they lose, so Bobby Massey is going to be a free agent right tackle. Mm-hmm. Bryce Callahan, their slot cornerback, is going to be a free agent. I guess you could call those needs, but it's there's not a single other position on the roster where you point to and say they have to upgrade there or they have to address this. They this don't have a first round pick. And so that's why it's like where, you know, how do they where's the incremental change gonna come? It really just has to be Mitch Trubisky has to take the next step, is more what it has to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just has to be better than he was this past season. So uh, there's no real as an organization that's pretty it's a tough thing to sort of, you know, it's a tough off-season goal to sort of rally around. Yeah, and last off-season, personnel-wise, they did everything in their power to make Trubisky, you know, more viable, like the Rams did with Goff, make his life easier. So now it's, you know, it's getting to that point where it's on the quarterback, and I guess that's the plan. I mean, when you built this team, we looked at it a year ago, two years ago, and said, boy, they have needs everywhere. Now they don't all of a sudden, and it's just, let's wait for Mitchell to improve. Yeah, uh, that really is. I mean, they like you said, they spent so much or had so built so much of this team through free agency uh, that you would think, oh, again, they're going to be players in free agency because that's just you know Ryan Pace's style. But I'm not sure where they could even you know where they'd even sign a free agent that would make sense at this point. Yeah, right. I mean, maybe bring back their two guys like you mentioned, mm-hmm. stay the course. But it really is a stay the course team more than maybe any of the other 32. Um, another quick break, and then we're going to do a really interesting thing with the Pro Football Focus ranks about the four remaining defenses. So give us a minute. We'll be right back. All right, Mike. A week ago, as you often do, you and I have often talked about how you rank the offensive lines 1-32, to 32, and I, I love having that conversation. So I don't think there's enough offensive line talk. But what you guys did, and you specifically, was you ranked the front sevens in the league from 1-32, to 32, and you ranked the secondaries from 1 to 32. And I just wanted to focus on the four teams that are still in it, where they rank compared to the rest of the league. And the Rams are the best collectively. Their front seven is number three. Their secondary is number six. Um, obviously, Aaron Donald has a lot to do with that front mm-hmm. seven because it's kind of uh, stars and scrubs in their front seven. Um, the secondary now has to lead back, and I think that's a big deal. Peters doesn't seem to be the liability he was early in the year. And Sue, I think, is coming off his best game that I can remember up front. Yeah, Sue seems like one of those guys who probably wasn't turning it on uh, all game. You know, all season mm-hmm. long, he kind of was saving a little bit for the playoffs because he knew that's where they were going to end up. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Sue yeah, has a monster postseason here because of uh, just because of that. I mean, I think he still has a lot left in the tank when he wants to give it. So 
uh, I see that. And then Aaron Donald, obviously, on this whole other plan. And then I think Corey Littleton, the uh, linebacker, yeah. sort of gets underrated. He actually led all linebackers this year in terms of pass breakups and uh, was a special team uh, all pro for us. So he's he's one of the better players, a more underrated linebacker in the NFL. Yeah, and when you combine these two ranks, you know, front seven and secondary, the Rams are clearly number one of the four. Uh, the team they're playing has a massive discrepancy. The Saints are 28th in secondary, and that includes with Lattimore, and they're 7th in their front seven. So I think they've been a lot better since uh, adding Eli Apple. Yes, I'm not I saying do too. he's great, but at the same time, uh, P.J. He's Williams and Ken Crowley were atrocious. You know, yeah. They were getting just torched left and right. It seemed like game in and game out. So You're, uh, you're a believer, and I think down. the pro football focus people in general are that there's a great uh, – way of building a team, just don't be terrible anywhere. You know, I mean, especially yes. a place like corner yeah. or tackle, you know, uh, there's a, a big jump from terrible to just okay, as opposed to okay to good. Yes, 100%. If you don't yeah. have to scheme around liabilities, you're you're doing a lot. I think that's was one of the biggest things for the Bears this year, is just not having any sort of holes in that defense for anyone to attack. Mm, that's yeah. just a huge plus for them, not necessarily being – uh, unbelievably dominant at certain positions, just good all around will get you great results. Yeah. And how much do you think the Rankins injury hurts their front seven though? I think it's a pretty substantial. No. Yeah. Sheldon Rankins was, did have the second most pressures of anyone on that Saints defense. Uh, I, I do think they went four across about as good as uh, anyone left in the playoffs without were when he was on the field, not necessarily with him off the field there. So that is an unfortunate one. Do you think Davenport is promising? I mean, I'm not saying he's worth two firsts, but there's an obvious tools there. Yeah, I think it was always going to be a struggle right, right away. He just was mm. not a developed pass rusher. He's a freak of nature athletically, but not even close to a developed pass rusher coming out. That's why I was so I mean, he saw it at the Senior Bowl. The, and, you know, I mean, he, yeah, he, was, yeah like, he didn't even do that great in the one-on-ones at the Senior Bowl. And that's why I was surprised when they traded up. They selected him because... You made they made this all-in sort of move for the Super Bowl this year, and I didn't think he was necessarily going to impact. Now he's been fine; he's been a little better than I even expected right out of the gate, but uh, still not. He's still not a plus pass rusher by any means at, as a rookie. Yeah, and now we'll, we'll wrap the show up with the two AFC teams. Uh, coincidentally, the the Chiefs are 17th in their front seven and 17th in their secondary. I assume you're not giving Eric Berry a lot of you know a lot of. Uh, Water there, you're not holding a lot no. of yeah, right. I mean, the, the front seven has got to be been that great since he, came yeah, back right. Either, so, yeah, those their second level of their defense is awful, though. That's what made this front seven, uh, you know, ranking hard. They got three great pass rushes, up yeah, D4, Justin Houston, Chris Jones. When they can, you know, rear back and get after the passer, it's difficult for opposing offenses. But then at the same time, Anthony Hitchens has just been probably the worst free agent signing of last offseason. He's the lowest grade linebacker. Just about to say that. Yeah. Reggie Ragland is not athletic by any means enough to cover, uh, you know, modern tight ends, modern anybody. So they have real struggles at the second level, which made this, you know, the front seven ranking pretty difficult for them for just they're about as good as it gets in the defensive line, about as bad as it gets at linebacker. Yeah. I don't know what they do with the James White or those type of guys. You know, Belichick's going to come after Mm -hmm. those second level guys. Yeah, this will be a shootout for sure, I would imagine, this game. Yeah, I mean, the weather's a little crazy. Who knows? Um, Patriots, they are very lopsided, and I'm sure people can understand, and this has kind of been a Belichick trend, that he puts more faith in cover people than pass rushers. Uh, Gilmore is having a tremendous season. So they were the second. It it shocked me a little bit that the Pats were the second-best secondary in your ranks 
in the entire league this year, but 27th in the front seven. Yeah, Gilmore's been highest grade corner in the NFL. He's number one. Season. Okay. Yeah, number one. Uh, the safeties are very solid, and then up front it's just Trey Flowers and no one else really can get after the passer there. They use you know Van Noy and Hightower as like edge slash linebackers. They just have they really just have no edge rushers after mm. him. Claiborne's all right, but there's just no one getting else getting after the quarterback for them. Yeah, and I think J.C. Jackson's a really intriguing guy too in the secondary. He had some real highlight, real plays this year for you know being a rookie. He's probably exceeded a lot of expectations there. Yeah, and you're right. The front seven slow. Flowers is the only guy that I would say is an above average starter. That's yeah, I agree with that assessment. Cool, cool. This was fun, dude. Um, quick, quick show today, and we'll get together next Wednesday. Maybe we'll t- recap what happened tomorrow. Like I said, next week is a strange week. Uh, Mike Sando joins me tomorrow. I'll pick the games on Friday. So over and out. Thanks again, Mike. This was fun.